Welcome to another exciting podcast brought to you by Bayside Christian Church. God is so good. Well, it's December time, Christmas time. Got our Christmas trees up and uh, all sorts of things happening. And uh, I just want to share from John chapter 1 and flow on to the truth today that Jesus is full of grace and he's not partially full, he's he's full and overflowing. John chapter 1, verse 1, it says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. This is obviously referring to Jesus, the living Word. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Down to verse 9. The true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. Lord and Savior. We shared last week the woman at the well, the Samaritan woman, that Jesus revealed himself and says, I am the living water. But so many people didn't recognize who Jesus was when he walked on the earth. And sadly, so many people today still don't recognize. He came in a package of human flesh and people just didn't recognize who he was. And many today still don't recognize the living Christ and who he is, the the Savior, full of grace and truth. It goes on and says, he came to, to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Referring to the Jewish people who knew they were looking forward to the Messiah, but many of them didn't recognize him. Verse 12, yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision, or a husband's will, but born of God. We are born again by the Spirit of God. Thank God for the gift of salvation. We're born again. We are a new creation in Christ. That makes this Christmas so exciting. And I always love Christmas because I love to celebrate with those that this is their first Christmas as a Christian. And I love to celebrate those that have known Jesus for many years. On Friday was my spiritual birthday. 43 years since I gave my heart to Jesus. I can't believe. I'm not not even that old, am I? I can't believe that. But four years ago, I remember walking down the aisle at a a youth rally and giving my heart to Jesus. And I said, Lord, this is it, 100%. And I've refused to budge on that. I think I've nudged up to 110% sometimes, but very little less. Born again by the Spirit of God. The Word became flesh, verse 14, and made His dwelling among us. That's the Christmas story. Emmanuel, God with us. We have seen His glory, the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. Not one or the other, not full of grace today when you need it, not full of truth when you need to have some understanding. He's full of both all the time. That's what he wants us to remember. John testified concerning him. He cried out saying, this is the one I spoke about when I said, he who comes after me has surpassed me because he was before me. You've got to think that through because Jesus was at the beginning and John's saying, hey, don't just look at me. I'm pointing to Jesus, the Lamb of God. And... uh, And then it says, out of his fullness, we have received grace in place of grace already given. For the law was given through Moses, grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. I want to pick up those last couple of verses in the Passion Version from verse 14. And so the living among us, and we gazed upon the splendor of his glory, 
the glory of the one and only who came from the Father, overflowing with tender mercy and truth. John taught the truth about him when he announced to the people, he's the one, set your eyes on him, hearts on him. I told you he would come after me, even though he ranks far above me, for the, he existed before I was even born. And now out of his fullness, we are fulfilled. And from him, we receive grace heaped upon grace. Well, that's good. Heaped upon it, overflowing, way more than you'll ever need. Some of you think, oh God, I've really messed up this week. God, I've just lost my temper. God, I've, I've just done things I said I'd never do again. And we think, is there enough for me? It, the word says there's grace heaped upon grace more than all of us individually and corporately will ever need. The devil will lie to you and say there's not enough. He'll pull back from you. He'll turn his back on you. But no, grace draws you in, doesn't push you away. Jesus draws you in for his strength and hope over your lives. And that's what it says there. And it goes on and says, Moses gave us the law, but Jesus, the anointed one, unveils truth wrapped in tender mercy. Wow, wow, wow. We've all been told off, haven't we? Told the truth. We know it was the truth, but boy, we just sort of cringed away thinking, oh boy, I'm no good. I'll never measure up. Jesus brings truth to us wrapped in his mercy. Like last week, we saw the woman at the well. He says, go and get your husband. She says, I've had five husbands. The man I'm living with now is not even my husband. And yet she wasn't ashamed. Truth wrapped in such love and mercy that she went and told everyone, this, is the, this is, might be the one we've been looking for. That's how truth and grace wrapped together change our lives and change other people's lives. And God wants us to grasp how powerful it is. The word grace in the Aramaic, bula, it means loving kindness or goodness. The Greek word is charis, where we get charismatic from, which can also be translated grace, favor, sweetness, pleasant, or delight. The translation has the translators combined all these concepts in the word tender mercy. Jesus Christ is everything our hearts crave after. And we sang that beautiful song today, I'm desperate for you, I'm lost without you. Our hearts, our souls crave after Jesus Christ, just that many of us don't know that's what we're looking for and we try to satisfy it with all sorts of substitutes and there are thousands in our community searching for love. They hear a carol and they feel sort of strangely warmed inside and don't know why, but it's God's love reaching out to the craving of their soul for living water. That's why we sing our carols. That's why we present the gospel. That's why we live out our truth unashamedly for Jesus Christ at this time. Romans 5.15, uh, written by Paul. Paul was the apostle of grace because he didn't deserve, he says, I don't deserve this. I was killing Christians. He was a Christian terrorist, if you can call someone that. That's what he was, killing people, getting thrown in prison because he thought, he thought, well, Jesus, he can't be the Messiah because he doesn't tick all the boxes in his mind. He was blinded to the truth. Then he has an encounter with the, the God of grace. And then he lives out his life presenting Jesus as full of grace. And this is what he said in Romans 5.15. But the gift is not like the trespass. For if the, if the many died by the trespass of the one man, how much more did God's grace and the gift that came by the grace of the one man, Jesus Christ, overflow to the many? 
Nor can the gift of God be compared with the result of one man's sin. The judgment followed one sin and brought condemnation, but the gift followed many trespasses and brought justification. For if by the trespass of the one man death reigned through that one man, how much more will those who receive God's abundant provision of grace and of the gift of righteousness reign in life through one man, Jesus Christ? We are to reign in life, not struggle through life, overwhelmed by all the needs and suffering and challenges and overwhelming things in our life. And yet all of us, we have days we think, well, I'm not really raining. I'm just struggling to get through the next day. And we all have days like that where we're overwhelmed. But in Christ, when we stop and meditate and take time to stretch out our heart and our hand to Him, we're reminded that in Him we can rule and reign in Jesus Christ. And it's by grace, not how spiritual you are. It's by grace, not how many hours you pray. It's by grace, not just by how many people you've helped. <coughs> it's the gift of God's grace that is grabbing our souls and filling us on the inside and then we can rule and reign. And you can get out of bed saying, I might have a few aches and pains in my body, but in Christ I am an overcomer. In Christ I can live out my destiny today. I can touch other people with His grace because it's not something we hold to ourselves. We are carriers of His beautiful grace in our hearts and our lives. And we see that that's what He's called us to do. It's interesting to note that Jesus never actually preached on the word grace. He preached on faith. He says you've got to stretch out your faith. He preached on healing. He preached on unconditional love, love one another. But I struggle to find anywhere that Jesus actually preached on the principle of grace. He didn't have it. He just lived it. When the woman caught in adultery, they're judging her. He didn't judge or condemn her. But then grace brought the truth and he said, don't. Go and don't sin anymore. Jesus demonstrated. He didn't preach it. He taught about faith and great faith and, and increasing faith and all those other things. He talked about the principle. He talks about grace. He just lived it every way where that he went. And I reckon a lot of people are looking for Christians who live out what they say. And th th that's what grabs their attention, not just the words. They live it out and it compels them to be drawn in to the truth of Jesus Christ. Grace is unmerited favor. Wow. We can't explain that. Our head tries to get around it. It's a beautiful gift given to us. 1 Timothy 1.14, this is the Apostle Paul writing to Timothy. He says, I was flooded with grace like a river overflowing its banks. This is how Paul saw the gift of grace. Until I was full of love, faith and love for Jesus, the anointed one. Paul was just so overwhelmed by his grace, it brought about faith, love, everything else just overflowed his heart because of the grace of Jesus Christ. Paul uses the word planazo, meaning super abounding grace. He sort of ran out of words. Hyper, super abounding, overflowing I, I, he was just lost for words. And you'll quite often see in Paul, when he starts talking about grace, he just ran out of words. He says, oh, this is unbelievable. This is magnificent. This is amazing. This is awesome, as people would say today. It's awesome. And he just tried to communicate it in words. So this grace is amazing. So what do we need to do about it? Number one, we need to learn to receive grace. Because we don't think we deserve it. And we don't, because it's undeserved favor. 
Ephesians 1.5 says, For it was always in his perfect plan to adopt us as his delightful children. Wow, that's awesome. We're delightful children. It's awesome when you've got delightful kids. It's frustrating when you've got naughty kids. Jesus sees us as his delightful children. Have a look at the one beside you say, you're delightful in his eyes. Wow, that's, that's good news, isn't it? That's really good news. God sees you as delightful through the eyes of grace. How beautiful is that? Then it goes on and says, through our union with Jesus. So it's not your good looks or how hard you work. It's union with Jesus. That's why he sees you delightful. So that his, um, the anointed one, so his tremendous love that cascades over us would glorify his grace. Isn't that a beautiful thought? Cascading love, overflowing, glorifies his grace. For the same love he has for his beloved one, Jesus, he has for us. Wow, that's so. And this unfolding plan brings him great pleasure. Since we are now joined to Christ, we've been given the treasures of redemption by his blood, the total cancellation of our sins, all because of the cascading riches of his grace. Wow, wow, cascading riches just overflowing. You ever been, been beside a waterfall and it's just, you think, where's all this water keep coming from? I remember the first time I went to Niagara Falls, I, I had a wholly awesome moment. We went there in early November. It was beginning of winter. Everything was closed down. The tourists had stopped coming, but it hadn't started snowing yet. So we went out there. I was at a conference in Toronto. And I remember we went down through this tunnel, and it was an, an old um, electricity water tunnel. And I was able to stand about two meters from the face of the water roaring down in front of me. It's the closest you can get to the falls. And the roar was incredible. And as I stood there, I was transfixed. I had a moment of encounter with the awesomeness of Jesus. <clears throat> I thought, Lord, if this is one part of your creation, this is incredible. And if this is how your love pours out to the world, if this is only a little picture of it, I was overcome for several moments. I stood there and I couldn't move. I was just I was so overwhelmed with the revelation of God's creation and his amazing love. And I think of it again today, his grace cascading over us. Wow, wow, wow. Often we let fear and depression and discouragement and negativity and pain cascade and overwhelm us. But hey, we need to come and receive His grace every day. Say, Lord, your love cascades over us. Ephesians 2.4, he goes on the next chapter. God still loved us with such great love. He is so rich in compassion and mercy. Even when we were dead and doomed in our many sins, He united us into the very life of Christ and saved us by His wonderful grace. He's, he's running out of adjectives already. He raised us up with Christ, the exalted one, and we ascended with him into the glorious perfection and authority of the heavenly realm. For we are now co-seated as one with Christ. Wow, that used to just amaze me as a kid. I used to picture myself sitting up there with the angels. And, but it's spiritually, we are seated with Christ in heavenly places. We're not under the control of everything that's trying to destroy this world we are seated with Christ and we can look down and see and speak into the brokenness and the sin that is so real around us and tries to overwhelm us. It goes on and says, throughout the coming ages, we will be the visible display of the infinite, limitless riches of his grace and kindness. So now he's got a few more adjectives he's found to put in there, which was showered upon us in Jesus Christ. For it was only through this wonderful grace that we believed in him. 
Nothing we did could ever earn this salvation, for it was the gracious gift of God that brought us to Christ. So no one will ever be able to boast, for salvation is never a reward for good works or human striving. We have become His poetry, a recreated people that will fulfill the destiny He has given each of us. For we are joined to Jesus, the Anointed One. Even before we were born to Jesus, the Anointed One, we were born, God planned in advance our destiny and the good works we would do to fulfill it. So if we talk about grace, you need to learn to receive it. Some of us are a bit like we go to the bank and we say, I'm short of money. The reality is you've got $500 in your account and some of us don't even go to the ATM and get it out because we don't think we deserve it. But it's actually in, in your account. Others would go and we push the buttons in and the money comes out but we don't take it because we think, oh, I don't deserve it. This is how we treat God sometimes. We pray and say, Lord, forgive me, but we don't think He will because we don't think we deserve it. The money's actually sitting there ready for us to take, but if we don't take it, it disappears again. That's, that's a bit of a nasty one. God doesn't withdraw His grace, but the ATM does. My analogy just broke down then, but it's a good story. <laughs> Not every picture works well. But I saw as I was preparing this morning, some of us don't think, well, how are we going to pay the bills? And there's money sitting in your account, but you've got to choose to go and receive it. It's stored up for you. That's what grace and forgiveness is. That's what His love is. And some of you go and start to pray and, and access the ATM and the code is faith and we put it in and then it can't. We still don't take it. And go, oh, well, Lord, I know you can do it, but I'm not sure how to apply it. I'm not sure if I'm good enough. And we walk away without it and struggle through life. Hey, we've all done that, haven't we? God says, hey, receive His grace. Secondly, if you want to receive it, then we need to stand in that grace. Romans 5, 2 says, through Him we also have access by faith in this remarkable state of grace in which we firmly and safely and securely stand. Let us rejoice in our hope and the confident assurance of experiencing and enjoying the glory of our great God. The manifestation of His excellence and power. We need to stand in grace. Stand in His favor. Don't stand there condemned by the enemy with the arrows coming and saying, you're not good enough and you failed. You're still wrestling with so many things in your mind and your heart or your relationships. God says, let's stand in His grace. Surrounded by His grace and power. With the breastplate of righteousness over our lives through grace. Thirdly, we need to grow in grace. So we need to receive it. We need to stand in it and we need to grow in grace because we don't have to stay where we are. We're all on this journey. You've got to keep walking. We've got to keep growing in grace, growing in maturity, growing in our understanding of freedom so that you can live in freedom and then we can help draw a whole lot of other people with us. Leaders are only good leaders if people are following. I've had people come and say, I'm a leader. I look behind, there's no one following. As uh, Eugene Peterson said, a leader who thinks they're a leader and no one's following is someone just taking a long walk on their own. <clears throat> I think I've met a few politicians like that sometimes. They think they're a leader, but there's not many people listening or following. Hey, let our lives as Christians be ones that they, people want to follow. They think, well, I don't quite understand, but I want what you've got. I want to I learn how to live in freedom like you are. So we need to grow in grace. Second 3.18 says, but continue to grow and increase in God's grace and intimacy with our Lord and Saviour, Jesus Christ. And when we think about grace, Paul wrestled with it because he said it's so amazing, it's unmerited favour, and he said you can live in that, and then some people are saying, well, if you've got so much grace, can I just go on sinning because then grace will increase? 
He says, no, 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 we just need to look at this for a balance. Romans 5.20 says, so then the law was introduced into God's plan to bring the reality of human sinfulness out of hiding. And yet whenever sin increased, there was more than enough of God's grace to triumph all the more. Thank God for that. When we fall short, God's grace is, like I said, it's heaped up more than enough. Then it goes on and says, And just as sin reigned through death, so also this sin-conquering grace will reign as king through righteousness, imparting eternal life through Jesus our Lord and Saviour and Messiah. And then we go into chapter 6. I'm sure the chapter didn't finish there because the whole theme is just running straight through. So we start in chapter 6 verse 1. So what should we do then? Do we persist in sin so that God's kindness and grace will increase? What a terrible thought, he says. Don't be silly. Or someone said, don't be an idiot. Don't think like that. We have died to sin once and for all as a dead man passes away from this life. So how can we live under its under a rule a moment longer? How can we live like that? So grace is a beautiful overflowing gift, cascading, heaped up for us. So when we need it, there's more than enough to forgive us, cleanse us, draw us back in to follow after God. But don't fall into the trap of thinking, well, it doesn't matter what I do, I can just ask for God's forgiveness and it'll for me. That's faulty, self-centered thinking. Because what happens is you're messing up your, your witness and your testimony and you become a stumbling block to other people. Now, God knows that we need to endeavor to follow Him, honor Him. He knows that we are weak and we rip up and still the old patterns and sin gets us sometimes. God's grace is there to draw us back as soon as we come and say, Lord, forgive me, cleanse me. But He says, don't, don't settle for that thought that, well, you can just live any way you want and God will forgive me. That's misusing and trashing the beautiful gift of God's grace. Don't ever do that. And even if we do, God's grace will cover us, but don't let that be a pattern or a lifestyle. He's calling us back. And the last thing, we live in this beautiful grace. And the word there in that uh, Romans 6 one, it says, hyper superabundant grace. He was running out of words, so he actually got to the hyper superabundant. If he would have kept going, well, who knows where it would have ended up, you know? By 10 times. He just he was running out of words to describe how amazing this grace is. And as we come to this Christmas season, Jesus came and dwelt among us. He took on human flesh. Why? To reveal the love and grace of Almighty God to a broken, controlled, religious, downtrodden, sin-filled world. But Jesus come. The last thing, if we've got grace, we need to learn to share it. Why would we hold this incredible news to ourselves? And we do that. We live it out by our words, by actions, by our, our lifestyles, by our families. We, we train and disciple our kids to learn to live by grace, to receive His grace. Romans 12.6 teaches us how to share this grace. God's marvelous grace imparts to each one of us varying gifts and ministries that are uniquely ours. So I've given you the grace gift of prophecy. So prophecy is a grace gift, not to show how spiritual are, but to help other people grow and find God's purpose and encouragement in their life. It says you must activate your gift by using the proportion of faith you have to prophesy. If your grace gift is serving, serving is a grace gift to look after the poor and needy, to nurse someone elderly, to care for kids, to reach out and minister to others. 
then strive in serving others well. If your grace gift is teaching, then be actively teaching and training others. If you have the grace gift of encouragement, then use it often to encourage others. If you have the grace gift of meeting, giving to meet the needs of others, then may you prosper in your generosity without any fanfare. If you have the gift of leadership, be passionate about your leadership. If you have the grace gift of showing compassion, then flourish in your cheerful display of compassion. So how do we share it? We do it through the gifts God's given us. The natural motivational gifts. So have an ability to, to count things as an administrative gift. Other people have a gift to teach and explain things, a teaching gift. Others just love to serve and relieve someone else's pain. The caring, hospitality. God's given you basic motivational gifts. He also gives you spiritual gifts beyond the natural that are supernatural. And thank God, but it says clearly they are all charis, charismatic. They are grace gifts for our lives. That's how we live out our grace life. I just thank God, even with the... Uh, Raising funds for our chairs. Many people have emailed me and says, hey, we want to put in uh, 2,000, but we, don't, we want it to be anonymous. And so a lot of people said, we just, we just want to give. I remember when we did our um, project for our speakers two years ago. We had a Sovember. We, we uh, were aiming to raise 30,000, I think it was. And, uh, and I remember we got to about 16 or 17, and someone came up to me and says, how much more do you need? I said, about 14. They said, we'll fix that up tomorrow. That's how, that's how we got to our goal last time. And parts to sow and give because that, that's a grace gift on their life. Others are thinking, Man, how, I'm wrestling, how can we put $150 in and how is that going to affect the That's okay. We all give what we can. But God then releases provision for those that He's graced with that. Others get terrified of speaking publicly. It's one of the greatest fears. Over 90% of people are terrified of public speaking, especially if you're not prepared. <laughs> And yet for others, it's a grace gift. I was really shy, but God gives me the grace gift to speak publicly. I still get a bit nervous, but it doesn't terrify me. I don't sort of not sleep the night before because it's a grace gift on my life. And God gives us, um, like I could never be a doctor. I faint at the sight of blood and needles, so I'd be a terrible doctor. But some of you have got that grace gift to help heal people. <laughs> we won't talk about those stories. Lots of them, Mary Lynn says. <laughs> yes. One more scripture as the worship team come. Colossians 4, 6. One more way to share your grace is let your conversation be always full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone. Well, occasionally when someone loses their temper, they need a bit of salt on their tongue, eh? And a bit of grace. And <laughs> we've all done that out of frustration. Some of you are the most meek and mild people, but you get hungry in a long line waiting for food and all of a sudden something switches. Or you're in a hurry to get somewhere and there's three slow drivers in front of you. All of a sudden something switches. <laughs> the passion says, let every word you speak be drenched with grace. Whoa, that's a good thought. Drenched with grace and tempered with truth and clarity. For then you'll be prepared to give a respectful answer to anyone who asks about your faith. So today, Jesus full of grace and truth. He says, receive it. Don't go to the ATM and leave the money in the ATM. 
Don't pray the prayer and then walk away thinking, God, did you hear my prayer? Of course he heard it. Receive his, because the Bible says that, let the weak say I'm strong. Your grace is made perfect in my weakness or need. Wow, wow. So instead of the need being an overwhelming problem, it's a place for God's grace to be demonstrated. But we've got to choose to receive it. We need to stand in it. We need to uh, grow in it, and then we need to share it. Let's stand in His presence. I want to read one last verse as we just take a couple of minutes before we finish our service and go back out in the heat. Some people probably want to stay here for an hour or two. In the I want to read this last verse and just look at the words up on the screen there. In Hebrews 4 verse 16, it says, Let us then fearlessly and confidently and boldly draw near to the throne of grace. The th throne of God's unmerited favour to us sinners, that we may receive mercy for our failures and find grace to help in good time for every need, appropriate help and well-timed help coming just when we need it. Wow, isn't that beautiful? Stay tuned for another exciting podcast brought to you by Bayside Christian Church.